This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast. The podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Here's your host, Brandon Bourgeois. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Team Stripes podcast. You're tuning in to episode number 49. And on this episode, we have a pretty cool guest on the show. He's actually uh, a, a columnist. So he Mark, uh, Mark Lichtenfeld is his name. And Mark actually writes uh, a column that many of you have probably read before. It's called Officially Speaking. And that's uh, for Let's Play Hockey, which is a large uh, hockey publication. And a little bit of Mark background, Mark's background, he's actually a published author uh, and a veteran official who has officiated more than uh, 6,000 games. So, uh, Mark, uh, welcome to the uh, Team Stripes podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Brandon. It's a pleasure. And, uh, Mark, I, I think uh, I, we mentioned your, 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 your column, officially speaking. I think a lot of officials out there will have for sure read your column. But I'm just curious, before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about your officiating background and just kind of how you got into, into donning the stripes. Well, I was basically, you know, a house league player through high school. This was in the late 70s. Then after college, I started playing adult league like a lot of guys because coming from the Chicago area, hockey is a passion in that city. And there's just, you know, there was so much of it and it was growing and everybody followed the Hawks. And, you know, I played men's league for maybe like 20 years. But in the middle of my career as a men's league player, I decided to, um, get into officiating. You know, I asked some of the officials, how do you get into this? And they told me it wasn't as structured as it is now. It's you basically had to find a bunch of numbers, call this number and that number till you got a hold of the right guy. And, um, but anyways, you know, I got involved in officiating in that manner. And that was, that was in 1990. And I've been officiating, you know, ever since, you know, as far as the ranks, I started as level one, I've been as high as a level four currently. Um, you know, I've moved from Chicago. I'm in Las Vegas now where there's not quite as much hockey, but it is booming out here. And, um, you know, I'm doing just as many games, you know, maybe like 200 a year as I was doing when I was in Chicago. And um, stopped playing men's league in 2000, continued officiating. You know, this is my 29th consecutive season, and I really enjoy it. Geez, 29 years. What's the, what's the key to the uh, longevity here? You know, you have to have the right attitude. And that's basically what the column is about. You have to, first of all, you have to feel confident, you know, with yourself. You have to be able to take abuse and you have to just enjoy, you know, there's, there's several components of it. You know, a lot of guys do it specifically for the money, some for the exercise. Some will say it's only for the exercise and it's not for the money, which is a total lie. That's how you could really, you know, figure out someone's credibility off the bat. But it's a combination of everything. You like the exercise, you like the money, you like the game. You like um, learning the rules and applying the rules. And, you know, there's some guys take to that and you know, some don't. Some, you know, you know, there's a lot of attrition and people dropping out after one or two seasons, mainly because of abuse. And, um, you know, you have to be able to take that, that type of abuse and actually, to an extent, even enjoy it, you know, enjoy debating, enjoy arguing. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And we talked about it at the, at the beginning of the show that you are a columnist and you write officially speaking. And just tell us, I mean, how did you get this, this column started? What's, what's sort of the origin behind, uh, behind it? Well, officially speaking, actually started 
with a local publication in the Chicago area. You know, we had a few papers that were, you know, hockey oriented. They would be um, published maybe kind of like Let's Play Hockey, but on a much smaller scale. And I, you know, asked if I could write an officiating column. And, you know, they, they said, of course you can. And the problem is a lot of these small papers in the Chicago area, they ended up folding. And then I um, contacted Let's Play Hockey, which is a major publication throughout the Midwest and through the Internet nationally. And, um, you know, I showed them some of the columns I had written and they had not, they did not have a dedicated referee writer. And um, they said, sure, we'll we'll take it. And the editor, um, you know, it's been, you know, Kevin Kurt is the editor and he's been very friendly. He likes, you know, sarcasm. He likes the stuff that I write about. And, you know, I've been writing for them ever since. You know, the reason, the whole reason that officially, officially speaking started as a publication, we needed a mouthpiece for referees. You know, referees, you, everybody knows the story. You know, they, they take abuse from parents, players, coaches. You know, no one knows the rules except for the refs. But the thing is, there was no mouthpiece for the veteran ref. If you, you know, my column, it specifically states we're here you know, to protect the veteran level three. What that means is just a veteran ref, not the, not the referee that, you know, works USA hockey national games or is working the East coast league or semi-professional games, or maybe is um, on a track to, to go pro. We're talking about the bread and butter referees, you know, the, the, the level threes, the guys that are doing men's league at midnight, the guys that are doing travel games, you know, triple A games, anything, because without the, veteran level three or you know, just a veteran referee that doesn't do this necessarily as a profession, but does this as a hobby without that, there'd be no USA hockey. There'd be no organized hockey because that's the bread and butter of officiating. However, there's no mouthpiece for that type of official. There's nobody to protect their interests, which is kind of like what I do. There's the reason I say this is there's a lot that goes into um, officiating besides just coming to the game and applying the rules. There's everything from how the registration process goes, how to negotiate between the scheduler, the leagues, how to um, determine who's really looking out for your interest. If, if a coach complains about a call, is the referee association going to back you up? Or is the referee association looking to make sure that their client, meaning the travel organization or the hockey organization, make sure that they're happy and if that organization states, oh, we don't want Lichtenfeld refereeing our games anymore. Well, the referee association back me up or will they worry about their client account meaning the travel organization all types of things like that if you know that's what i write about and um one of the reasons it's good to have this type of um platform is that you know most refs i'll be honest with you they're afraid to bring this up Hmm. they're afraid they're going to be blackballed they're afraid to complain in public because they think oh well now i won't get games and now uh, you know i'll They'll only give me house league games. I won't be able to, or I won't be able to get a referee slot in the three-man system. There's so much that goes into it. And, um, you know, these types of people, and these are my friends. These are like the bread and butter refs around the country. They need somebody that can write about what really goes on so the hockey community understands. And that's really what officially speaking does. And was that ever a risk for you? You mentioned like a lot of guys will, you know, wouldn't be able to bring these sort of these issues forward and, you know, they don't wouldn't have that mouthpiece to really get get the word out there for whatever issues they might be facing. I mean, was it a risk for you, sort of jumping into this and, and becoming that mouthpiece for you personally? Well, it probably would have been, except that I started officially speaking. Let's say 
maybe halfway through my career. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, I was pretty well known. And um, in one of my first columns, I even stated, you know, I don't care. You know, I'm going to do this on behalf of everybody. I don't care. I'm not going to single out any specific organization or any person in particular, but I'm just writing in a general sense as to what goes on. But again, what I said was, you know, at that time I had done, you know, maybe like 3000 games or whatever. Still, it was a great career. And if I never did another game after that, it was still, you know, I was still happy about it, but you know, you can't just keep quiet. You have to let people know what's going on and you have to be able to apply the referee's perspective to, um, you know, to these games. And, and that just, and that doesn't go just for like specific calls that you made or, or complaints. It also goes just to like with USA hockey, with the registration process, with, you know, how games are, are divvied up or just other things, you know? So at the time, you know, my motto was, I, I just don't care. Somebody needs to speak out on this. And, you know, I get letters from refs around the country. I get emails from them saying, can you write about this? Or this is what happened to me. And, and it really, it's worked out exactly as I wanted it to. And I've never received any backlash. In fact, USA Hockey, you know, I've Matt Leaf and those guys, they know I write the column and um, they, you know, they joke about it. So it really has worked out well. Yeah. And typically like you mentioned, which I think is awesome that, you know, officials across the country are reaching out to you to, to express maybe, you know, you want your, you know, writing articles about certain subjects. Is there something that you come across more often than not in terms of, you know, what you're hearing from officials about? Yeah, most of that goes to the abuse of officials. One of the most popular columns I have, which is rated based upon how many likes or hits or shares I see on Facebook. One of the uh, most the most popular columns like that are the ones regarding referee abuse. And I got a letter from a ref about I think it was earlier this season, maybe like in October or something, and he was just complaining that. He was refing a, um, a squirt gold game, and, and it was him and his partner was a girl who was a teenager, and this was her second game only. And the coach of the team was just dressing her down, yelling at her, screaming at her, and you know my partner went over to him, told him to lay off, and the guy wouldn't. And it, it's just the type of thing that we need to publicize how this happens, why this happens, you know, what are coaches doing you, you understand this is what's causing attrition for young referees. And I, I wrote about it. I didn't use any names, but um, I'm sure if whoever read it, if that particular coach read that he knows who he is. But I'm saying, so that comment resonates throughout the whole referee and hockey community. Everyone's writing um, comments and sharing and, you know, stating that this is terrible. This is what we got to get away from. We've got to, you know, these coaches need to be um, talked to. They need to be suspended. And, and that's the type of thing that people really like to um to read about and that's the type of situation that I get letters about you know most of the time it's mostly about that um I personally don't like writing so much about that because that's very um you know that's so common everyone knows that you know mm-hmm. the refs are getting berated but in this situation though when you have you know you, you get a travel coach and, and what's he trying to prove you know trying to grandstand in front of all the paying parents you know they're probably paying you know three four thousand a year to play squirt travel is, is he grandstanding against you know some young kid it's rough in like his second game. And he knew it was his second game too, because my partner, the veteran, not my partner, but I mean, the, the referee, the veteran told me that he introduced himself and he said that this is my partner's second game. So um, if you have anything to say, you know, please talk to me. And, and these coaches, you, it's almost like they're on a talent show. I've seen it all the time. You know, they'll get up on the bench. They're, 
you know, they'll be screaming. And it's not for their kids, especially at the squirt level. It's not, they're not screaming out because they want their kids to see that they're trying to make a mockery of the ref. They're doing it. He's doing it for a show for the parents in the stands. You know, it, it's so well known. And it's just, you know, it's, it's just a joke. You got to keep the game in perspective. And that's another one of my um, cliches I always write about, you know, perspective, whether it's this or whether it's, um, you know, if a referee misses a goal because it goes under a crossbar, just like in the NHL, you know how that happens all the time. Mm. Um, and then people start complaining. They send videos to the, um, you know, to the local referee organizations. It's like, come on, you know, that happens in the NHL. And they got two refs, two linesmen, and five, you know, cameras and a replay crew. You know, it's like, that's what I'm talking about, perspective. Whether it's a coach dressing down, you know, a teenage girl in the second game, or whether it's somebody, you know, sending videos to um, associations and to travel organizations because a ref didn't see that the puck, you know, hit the back of the net and came back out quickly. Do you know what I mean? It's And when I write about keeping the game in perspective, it does resonate too with a lot of readers. Just why so I see their comments and they all agree to that, whether they practice that and implement that during the game, it's another story. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting you talk about that, Mark, because like certainly we've seen the same thing on our end here. Like if we publish articles, it's, you know, as much as we write articles about helping officials, it's the ones on abuse that really get the, the most visibility and the most shares. And like for you, I mean, as somebody that's, that's, that's a veteran official, as, as you, as you call yourself and, you know, somebody that's seen it all, like, do you, have you seen a change in like the, the abuse levels for officials over the length of the, you know, your involvement efficient? Do you, do you think it's getting better? Do you think there's changes at all or, or what's your perspective on it? You know, at times I do, I don't, maybe it's, I got luck, uh, get lucky and I haven't had too many controversial games at times. I do think it's getting better because of the, all, of all the publicity, whether, you know, being either in like columns like mine or just on social media where everyone's complaining about the verbal abuse. But I got to say that, um, you know, as I've written about just last month, you know, I, I still see it, you know, and, and it's just, it's just almost like, um, it, it's really ignorance of, um, of the players, Eh, not so much in the kids the organizations, but in, in that situation, the coaches and the parents, you know, you just, they don't even know the rules and they start yelling and complaining. I, I just wrote about recently about um, uh, an icing call with a coach in a travel league. Didn't, you know, didn't know the new rule, you know, where um, it's a six, at least in USA hockey where, you know, 16 U and under shorthanded team can't ice the puck. You know, they're, they're complaining about that. I mean, you don't even know the rules. I had another coach where um, he started berating me. It was a three-man game. It was a, a midget game because I caught too many players on the ice, but I didn't assess the penalty until the um, up, the offending team obtained possession of the puck. Mm. He was yelling at me, I have to call that immediately. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, I, I, mm. do you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's yelling and he's grandstanding. And um, so when I see situations like that, it's just, it's just incredible that it still happens, you know, and and the coaches don't even know the rules, let alone, you know, a situation where there's a controversial subjective call. So it's still out there and it's probably always going to be out there. Yeah. Um, and one thing I wanted to ask you is you said you're out in Vegas now and like, you know, obviously hockey, we want, we want to grow the game and as official, <laughs> it's no different. And I'm assuming that, you know, being out in Vegas, you're probably a big role model for a lot of newcomers to officiating. I mean, just talk about, What's the experience like of really, you know, being an official in, a, in, a, in an emerging hockey market like Vegas? I mean, do you run into a lot of new officials there? Do you find you're doing a lot of coaching? I mean, just talk about, you know, what's, what's the environment out in Vegas like? 
Yeah, you know, everybody asks about that. And when I first moved out here, it was um, a little over four years ago, there was no you know, notice that there was going to be an NHL team or anything. And there were, there were just two rinks and a total of three sheets within the two rinks. So when I came out here, you know, I didn't think there'd be that many games to do, but it, it's basically the minute um, I started here, that's when they, um, the Golden Knights started their season's ticket, um, uh, their season's ticket draw in order to get the attention of the NHL. So it started basically as soon as I got out here. Well, it, it is totally emerging. When I came out here, there was about 15 active refs. I believe the Las Vegas Hockey Officials Association at the time had maybe 30 people listed on their um, sheet, you know, as as registered. But there were really only 15 acting in referees. And um, in Las Vegas, there's, there was a ton of men's league. There still is. And the interesting thing out here is, even though there wasn't much travel and there was a small house league at the time, but there's tournaments that come in town every weekend. So you get, it's it's unlike anything like in Chicago or maybe anywhere, like every weekend there's tournaments, whether it's, you know, adults or now it's a ton of kids and at all different levels. And it's just, you know, so we needed reps right off the bat and we were working because we didn't have that many, you know, we were working, you know, just a ton of games and almost more than I ever did in Chicago. And we had to bring in guys from California a lot. Hmm. Um, but because of the interest of the game, um, we've got a lot of new people registering, whether they're ma- mainly, um, I got to say, mainly they're adults playing, you know, adult league, but we need them because there's just like next week we have a tournament. There's over 200 games. We, you know, now we have five sheets that we now use the Knights practice facility, which is, you know, it's a beautiful place. It's got two sheets. And um, so we have five sheets out here, but, um, you know, we need, we need guys because we had, you know, 200 games. You can see how many ref slots that, you know, that entails. And um, so we've got so many new guys. And, you know, to answer your question, like for next week, you know, I've got a bunch of games for Martin Luther King tournament. I'm looking at the schedule and I'm assigned with, referees i don't even know who they are i mean we had like four <laughs> seminars so unless they were at my seminar i have no idea who they are um even at my age you know i'm doing a lot of the the ref slots in a three-man system because we just have so many inexperienced refs that you know that's what we have to do so i really it, it is fun though because with all the new guys you know you could kind of help them out see what's going on or you know show them you know this is really you know you know, what you need to do, but you know, they just need experience. So, but it is crazy out here. Hockey is, you know, it's just everywhere. Every person you see has a Knights shirt on. Every car has a Knights logo. I mean, it's, it's just and, and the house league and the travel leagues are growing exponentially. You know, we have the junior golden Knights program here. Um, we basically at this stage, I believe we now have 60, maybe a little more, but I, let's just say like 60 to 70, registered refs and instead of 15 active refs, you know, that are refing all the time. I think now maybe we have like 35 that, you know, are doing everything, you know, from the men's to the kids and everything. So it's, it's growing. It's very interesting and it's fun to be a part of. Wow. And is there, is there unique challenges? I mean, like obviously a big part of your column is, you know, helping officials and, and giving them insights and, you know, and lessons to improve on. Is there something that you found you've kind of paid particularly close attention to in terms of teaching officials? Is it, is it skating? Is it positioning? Is it rule knowledge? Is it, is it feel for the game? Is there something particular that you know, a lot of these newcomers that you, you kind of 
tend to focus on with, with these new guys? Well, first, I always tell people it should take 100 games before you feel confident and know what you're doing. You know, I don't know how many times we'll get like a guy that's played you know, men's league for years or, you know, a guy that um, played high level hockey, maybe even college hockey, because, you know, we have UNLV out here and who knows, maybe they came from somewhere else. But anyways, they think that because they know the game so much, they can just come out and officiate. And after two or three games, you know, they're just one of the guys. But that's just not true. I mean, you have to, when I say 100 games, I totally mean it. You need to ref about 100 games before you're confident out there. You can, you know, you can just ref without and officiate and just knowing not just the rules, but knowing how to handle scenarios, coaches positioning, anything. I mean, it's just a totally different different type of game mm. when you're an official as opposed to, to playing. So, you know, I tell the guys, you know, don't worry about it. You know, you just keep on refing, keep on taking games, and um, you'll, you'll get the hang of it. Don't think, I try to explain to them, you know, exactly what I'm telling you. I don't think that after, you know, five or ten games, you know, you're not going to make mistakes or you're going to know what you're doing. It's just not possible. You're going to be lying to yourself if you think that's the case. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we explain that um, to the new guys. Skating, you know, there's nothing you can do about skating. You either, you know, you can skate or, or you can't. I mean, I, I personally think at, at the levels that the veteran level three works, which is everywhere from men's games to um, travel, et cetera, you know, almost anyone can skate those. Let's be honest. Yeah, we're not talking mm-hmm. about like, you know, being a referee in a three-man slot in a midget triple-A game, you know, that may be different. But for most of these games, I mean, it's you know, as long as you can skate, you'll be able to do it. It's mm. a lot of its positioning, as you were talking about. you got to know where to position yourself. Just little things like, you know, when the puck's in the defensive zone, let's say you're a two-man system, but the puck's in the defensive zone and um, or a three-man system, pardon me, and you're the linesman, you know, it's you stay outside the blue line, just, you know, maybe a foot outside the blue line, just in case the puck is shot out off the boards and it hits you and it goes back in the zone. Then, you know, because you were outside the blue line, that that puck is now going to be in an offside situation. In other words, just little things like that. You know, people don't think that, that, you know, some people stand like on the blue line, it's just little types of things that come with just a lot of experience. Another, um, another point of, uh, a view that, nobody understands this may be a good time to discuss this is particularly in a two-man system which for i don't know how it is in canada but realistically most of the games here are two two officials whether it's men's or or a lot of the kids just because of numbers you know we just can't get that many guys but in a two official system let's say the puck is deep in the zone or like it's in the slot or whatever and you have one ref that's working the goal line and the other ref he's on the blue line that's how the two official system works well, what you're supposed to do, and even what USA Hockey states, if anyone reads the manual, is that the ref that's positioned on the goal line, it was called the deep ref, he watches the play. He watches the puck. He watches what's going on. The other ref, we'll call him the back ref, who's on the blue line, he shouldn't be watching that same play. You don't have mm-hmm. two sets of eyes on the play. That guy watches in front of the net. He, you know, he looks to see what's going on, is it cross-checking or interference or, or things of that nature in front of the net. In other words, two guys shouldn't be looking at the play at the same time. Hmm. However, in practice, it's almost impossible to, you know, to, to teach or to explain, and it takes so long to really get that down because you know, normally you're just both guys are looking at the puck, at the play. 
but that's really not what's supposed to happen. And I say this because a lot of times, let's say something, um, uh, let's say the back referee, the guy that's watching the play, let's say he misses a slashing or something. And I'm on the blue line. I'm, I'm the other ref, and I'm right in front of the coach. And the coach goes, he just slashed him. How do you not see that? I go, he's right there. And the coach will go, yeah, but there's two of you. And my response would be, I'm not supposed to be looking at that. I'm looking at what's going on in front of the net. Now, yeah. nobody knows that. The coach you know doesn't understand that. No one's, even a lot of referees haven't read the manual. But that's how officiating in a two-man system is supposed to work. And that's just an example of what, you know, we try to teach the new guys, you know, try not to, if you're the guy in the blue line, don't just follow the, the puck just where the, the way the other ref is doing because then you've got two sets of eyes on, on the play, but you're missing everything else. Make sure you're looking in front of them. Make sure you're looking somewhere else where that ref is not looking. So you can yeah. cover more of the game. Does, have you ever heard that? Or do you oh, yeah. Well, no, I, I agree with you, Mark. And it's like I was never a referee. I was more of a linesman moving up. But, like, obviously when you're, like, in rooms sitting down and, you're, you know, you're doing a four-man system – and the conversation with the referees is always about sight lines and who's looking where. And like you said, on a four-man system, the two referees should never be looking at the same spot. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's, if it, like you talk about, it, for two-man, it should absolutely be about that. But I don't know if it's just, if it's just you know, something that's maybe a little bit advanced in terms of really getting into the nitty-gritty of it and saying, okay, you know, your partner's down low, the puck's in his feet. Are you watching in front of the net? Or are you helping him out watching into the corner? I, I don't know if it's more just maybe some sort of advanced sort of learning or if we can teach that. But I, I agree with you. I think that's something we should, you know, focus on. But, yeah, like, I think that's that's an awesome perspective, Mark, honestly. Yeah, and I try to bring that out in the paper a lot just so hopefully some coaches will read it or some other knowledgeable hockey personnel will read it so they'll understand that same thing. So when you explain that to a coach, well, I'm not looking at that. I'm not supposed to be looking at the coach. You know, it's not going to be going wild. Think, well, that's why there's two of you, you know. I mean – it's these little nuances that um, yeah. you know that I like to bring out in the column. It's something yeah. that you know people don't always think about. Yeah, and just kind of like wrapping it up. Like I mean, like obviously you've written for for quite a while, and you've written about a, like a ton of subjects. But like, do you find now the articles that you write about? Like obviously you talked about abuse, but like in terms of like the teaching side of things for officials, do you find there is a certain type of article or there's a certain lesson you focus on more and more now in terms of trying to teach officials? Is it something in terms of, you know, like like you said, is something about sight lines? Is, is there something that you tend to focus on more now in what you're writing? You know, I got to be honest with you, not so much because the column, if, if I'm just going to make it fundamental like that, I'm not so sure how many readers are, are, are going to enjoy that because what they really want, and I know the editor wants to, you want something that's more controversial. In other words, mm -hmm. like I always say, this isn't going to be a column where um, who's your you know biggest mentor? You know what is, what rule do you like best? You know who, who right. helped you through the system? You know what I'm saying? Because um, it's got to be a little bit more controversial than that. A lot of times I'll bring up these these um, little rules like. Um, like we were just talking about, like the two-man system, or um, another one of my favorites is um, these these refs, veterans too. They'll um, they'll blow the. Let's say you're a linesman, you're about to drop the puck. They'll blow the whistle right before they drop the puck, which is you know a complete no-no. That's exactly uh, opposite of what USA Hockey teaches. You know the lines are supposed to blow the whistle at the conclusion of the line change procedure, and that blowing of the whistle instructs the players that a puck will be dropped within five seconds. In other words, 
it just gets the game moving quicker. You know, right. I mean, I'll bring things like that up, but you know what? The general readership, you know, the person, because it's not just for referees. I mean, it's for players, parents, you know, coaches, it's for other people too. And you know, I, I try to hit stuff that really, um, it, you know, resonates with almost any, everybody, but it's just, like I said, it's not, it's not a fluff column, you know, it never mm-hmm. was. And as long as the editor, um, you know, he, he likes my sarcasm. He says he enjoys that. I mean, as long as he goes for it, and that's the way the column's going to be written. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's a really cool perspective because, like, I think, yeah, like, you know, I think we struggle a lot of the time, and I say we as kind of an officiating community to really get the attention of, of, of younger individuals and younger officials and keep them keep them interested and want to stick with officiating. And I think that's definitely one way is to make it – Make it interesting. Make it make a little bit of you know a little controversial. Like you said, really stir it up a little bit and keep it keep it entertaining uh, at the very least. And I think that that's that's an awesome perspective, Mark. And just kind of coming to the end of the of the podcast, and we really appreciate your time. And we know you got stuff going on, and you're enjoying the weather out in Vegas. But uh, we we normally like to end these podcasts by just asking for advice you have for officials. It could be really anything that you you think is pertinent. But for the officials out there that are listening, do you have a, a, a tidbit of advice for, for them? Well, what I always say to new officials, and I remember stating this this year at a seminar, we had a combined seminar. So for us older guys, you know, at the very beginning, we were all in the same room. What I always say is make sure you show up to your assignments because no matter how good or bad you are overall, you know, especially at the beginning, the one thing that everybody remembers is if you don't show up for an assignment or if you continue to cancel assignments or you show up late to an assignment because your credibility still is, is the most important thing. And even for me, I, I remember that, you know, I, I, to this day, I've never missed a game. I'm always on time. And uh, now I know things happen, you know, you can get in a car accident, whatever. But I, like I tell these young guys, don't be one of those officials that, you know, takes games and gives them back doesn't show up whatever because that it, it takes it takes a long time to recover from that mm-hmm. so i mean that's step one once yeah. you know because once you show that you're you know professional about it you show up on time everything else really will fall in place as long as you know you're open to suggestions or criticism or whatever so that's really it's a simple type of thing it's almost not officiating um advice it's more of like lifetime advice but it really works out well in this type of environment. Yeah. And Mark, that was awesome and really appreciate it. And we'll have to have you on the show down the road if you're up for it. Cause I think that we, you bring a lot of uh, great insight to officiating and certainly your experience of, of writing your art, your column officially speaking uh, is, is huge. So we want to thank you again and um, wish you, I guess, all the best down the road. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Thanks for having me. And um, uh, you know, have you know, hopefully you have an easy winter up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it won't be as easy as Vegas, but we'll, we'll, we'll try and stay positive for sure. <laughs>